Good afternoon, everybody. I hope your Saturday is going amazing. Um, I've got a Q&A. Uh, so somebody threw out um, under the hashtag Ask Midwest Mealworms a question about generations and larva size difference. Uh, so I want to jump to that real quick. So I'll read through that uh, so we can get some context around what's going on. Uh, this one comes from Linda. Uh, my first generation of mealworms came from the pet store. They were fed, fed and hydrated, etc. Pretty hefty at the time uh, when they went into the pupa stage. The second generation of mealworms were a lot smaller and went into the pupa stage earlier. Um, and then the pupa were noticeably smaller. Then the third generation is showing that they're once again bigger and closer to the size of the original lot. Uh, the care has been the same for all of this. Why would the second generation present so much smaller? Um, so this is a really interesting question around, um, you know, the variations that can occur in a small mealworm farm. Um, one of the additional pieces of info that Linda provided was that the ambient temperature stayed consistent during the winter months. Um, they've all had access to the same foods. Um, she did move to a much bigger bin uh, because they were changing earlier, but that doesn't explain the third generation. So really good feedback around the temperature piece, because one of the things that's important for um, raising mealworms is having good data um, and having good historical data because mealworms take so long to grow from when they hatch as an egg into the going to the pupa stage. Pupa can take up to two weeks, um, sometimes a little bit longer. And then you've got beetles, which will lay for about two or three months and then start slowly declining. And so that's a pretty long time. And so anything can happen during that point, right? And so with the ambient temperature staying consistent during the winter months, one of the questions I've got, because we're talking about multiple generations here, second and third. So that's probably over three to six months, depending on what ambient temperature is. If you're in the 60s, it's going to be a lot longer. It's going to take them longer. If you're in the 70s or low 80s, um, I wouldn't recommend low 80s. That's really pushing it uh, from a risk perspective. Um, but the, the, they'll grow faster when it's warmer, right? So a couple things. Um, the one, the, starting with the first generation coming from the pet store. So unless you know who that pet store got it from, um, it, it's difficult to say what the what was done to them, how they were raised, how they were taken care of. Um, it's interesting that these did pupate because one of the things that some folks will do uh, is they will use a hormone, the juvenile hormone. It's a natural hormone in the sense that the mealworms produce it, um, but in excess or applied in excess, it will actually cause them to not pupate. Uh, so they will get bigger and bigger. It's what people commonly call giant mealworms. Um, and it, it, what that does, though, is it usually causes problem with pupation. So if you got really hefty mealworms, um, I would question whether or not maybe they were treated with something um, to, to cause some problems there so that they were larger than a normal mealworm should be. Right. So that's that's one key starting point. Right. If we can get that data point, uh, that would be helpful. Um, but the, the variation between the second and third. Right. So the third's getting bigger now. Um, it could have been stress related to that first set of mealworms getting into the farm and getting into that rhythm. Right. Um, mealworms will respond to stress. So stress can be multiple different things. Lack of food, lack of moisture, temperature fluctuations, um, moving them around. So that this could have been caused by something as simple as you took bins the first time and sifted out the frass and that sifting, vibrating, blah, 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 right? That causes them stress. Um, so it, like one of the things that I'll oftentimes see is I will sift and harvest different sizes. Um, and what I'll find is that I'll get pupa that will show up as a result of that stress 
um, from the shaking. Um, so I would, I would say take very good notes um, because as you move forward, what I'm really curious to see with this is as you move forward um, with this particular uh, scenario and you're documenting the sizes, keeping track of that, um, try to keep as much detailed info as you can around when you sifted. Um, when you harvested, when you might have had an oh no moment where the temp went up to 85 or something like that, um, or lower, right? In the wintertime, they're going to slow down a little bit. Maybe there's a pattern there, right? Um, but kudos to you for keeping this data. That's a really good start. That's one of the struggles with raising mealworms. Um, so to expand this off just into some general uh, feedback um, for the entire group here, um, Raising mealworms is pretty difficult in the sense of keeping things consistent because you've got to be really consistent. And what I mean by really consistent is 78 degrees all the time. If you vary there, you've got um, a fluctuation that could impact any particular piece of that uh, or part of that uh, life cycle. Um, and so don't be, you know, don't beat yourself up, right? Because if you stay within an acceptable range and you get good quality meal worms, whether they pupate a little early, a little later, it's okay, right? Um, because that temperature variation can, can mess with them. Maybe you've got a whole bunch in a bin all of a sudden because you overcounted beetles and that volume causes some friction and some issues. Maybe the temp is higher in that bin than other bins. There's so many things that can vary. And until you get down into very particular detailed notes, documenting what's going on, keeping track of that so that you can go back and look three months from now and see what was the temperature that day and the week before, what, what was the feeding schedule from a moisture perspective, did the bin have enough substrate, um, all those different things need to be taken into account. Uh, and if you're not capturing all of that, a lot of people don't. I sometimes don't capture all of that. Um, if you're not capturing all of that, it does make it difficult to go back and see how can I improve? How can I change? Um, you know, how did I get this boost in production all of a sudden when most of the time I'm, I'm at this level rate? Right. Um, so keep notes like that. Um, everybody kind of, uh, you know, document to your own speed um, and document just what you need. If what you're doing is working, um, keep at it. Document what it is you're doing so that you know a year from now, if you want to change something, um, you know, you, you can keep track of what that impact might be. Um, really great, great question, though, from Linda. Um, I greatly appreciate you reaching out, asking that question. Um, hopefully this gives you some info. Uh, ask some more questions. I'd love to see your, your setup. Um, maybe talk individually to kind of walk through what you're doing, what your goals are, because a lot of times that can impact this as well. If you've got this, you know, smaller pupa scenario, honestly, it's not that big of a deal. Pupa technically have more nutrition, uh, more protein than the larva. Um, so if you're doing this for, you know, chickens, reptiles, things like that, feed that pupa to the, to the reptile, the chicken before it gets super crunchy, um, dried up, uh, and it'll be a nice little snack. So um, any other questions though, use the uh, hashtag ask Midwest mealworms. Uh, I'll do more of these in the future. Um, doing this live via YouTube, uh, also getting this posted to the podcast. So, um, really look forward to hearing from you guys. If I can help in any other way, let me know.